We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Patton. Jason, what a damn sports day. We got conference tournaments happening in college basketball. We got the lockout mercifully ending in baseball. The White Sox are back. Woo! The Cubs are back. I don't know how happy you are about that one. Pretty long season. The Bears trade Khalil Mack, getting a second and a sixth back for their best player. The Bears are in full rebuild mode now. And our Chicago Bulls have snapped their five-game losing streak. The Bulls taken home a victory against Detroit last night, badly needed, 114-108. It wasn't pretty, Jason, but the Bulls got the job done in the fourth quarter, outscoring the Pistons 30-17. to Detroit was fully in the DeMar zone. DeMar DeRozan taking over in crunch time once again. Finishes with 36 points, but he only shot 48% from the field, Jason. I guess this means he shouldn't win the MVP now, considering uh, his big number was 35 or more with over 50% shooting. Well, he just missed that mark in terms of efficiency. So Bulls badly needed victory. They did not play well. This was one of the uglier wins of the season, but that would have been truly disastrous if they would have lost it. So thank the Lord the Bulls won that game. Uh, Getting back in the win column. They needed it given how tough the schedule is the rest of this month. But Jace, are you feeling good about it after that win? Not really. I will say the Pistons have been playing better lately. I can't remember what their exact like numbers were going in. I think they had won a few in a row. Had looked better. Still, as you mentioned, with the schedule, you got the Pistons, who are ha, are one of the worst teams in the league. You can't afford to lose. And the Bulls looked like a team that was going to lose for much of the night. They got off to a nice start. Got up eight points real quick. Like, all right, maybe they'll make easy work of the Pistons. They beat them by like almost 50 earlier this season, I think, in their last matchup. And then just after that, like the next like basically three quarters was just all dog shit. The defense so bad. Uh, the broadcast was getting fed up with it. I I, I could have sworn I heard Stacy calling out Demar and Zach for poor defense, and it was just like you can't have three like three guys playing, two guys not uh, because there was just too many dribble drive penetration back cuts. Zach and Demar or Zach got dr- scored on by Corey Joseph three times. Kobe was getting back cut. Demar. Uh, his defensive effort wasn't there, and Demar struggled offensively in the first half. And they were down seven points with about eight or nine minutes left in the fourth quarter. It looked like they were about on their way to a six straight loss, and one that would have been—I don't know if you want to call it rock bottom, but pretty damn close. But then, as you mentioned, Demar turns it on. The defense starts picking it up. The Pistons start, finally start missing some shots after shooting like sixty percent all game. Uh, some of that is Pistons missing shots, but the Bulls finally did find a little spark defensively. Uh, playing a little better, not li- giving up this easy forays to the rim and getting back cut all the time. Uh, and they were able to pull it out. 
Damar huge. Zach came alive a bit down the stretch. They both got to the free throw line. I wrote something about at bloggable about the bulls finally reversing the free throw trend. They shot 35 free throws made 21, 31 of them. Damar and Zach, I think combined for like 24 of them. Uh, so they were aggressive getting to the basket. Damar draw a few, drew a few jump shot fouls as well. So fourth quarter, they finally t- turn it on. And one of the big storylines coming out of this game was Tristan Thompson going ape shit on the bench, trying to whatever fire these guys up, yelling at guys about defensive coverages. Because again, the defense was off. I mean, it was miserable to watch this Pistons team just just carve them up. Cade Cunningham was having his way uh, with them and just getting they were getting wide open looks. Their bench had forty three points. Tristan, they, the TV broadcast catches him going off on the bench. Uh, it looked like some of the guys weren't really into it, but like pretty much after that, a bit after that, the Bulls started actually playing defense. Who knows how much of an impact that actually had? It was brought up afterwards, and Demar uh, and Billy, I think, talked about it. Demar was like, "I can't say what was said," uh, but I, I mean, and we we had we had an argument. Our Bulls Twitter DM about this, whether that kind of stuff is necessary, whether Tristan's like the right messenger. The way the Bulls are playing that last night, they needed a kick in the ass from somebody. And whether Tristan's the right guy, I know he's only been here a while. He did not play well it went actually on the court. He hasn't played that great in a few games. He is a veteran with a championship, though. He's been to those finals. And again, the Bulls, the Bulls vibes were really down bad. I was really down bad watching most of this game. They needed something to spark them. Whether that, that actually did it, I didn't mind him doing that. They needed a kick in the ass. They got it, and they got the big win. Yeah, I think that there's no doubt the Bulls responded to Tristan basically reaming out Kobe White, Io DeSumo on the bench. And uh, there were so many breakdowns in that game before the fourth quarter. Got to say the Bulls defense turned around in the fourth quarter, only allowing 17 points against Detroit Uh, in the final frame. They don't win that game without the defense sort of stepping up in crunch time. So we got to give them credit for that. But the first three quarters, I thought the Bulls' defense was absolutely horrendous. I mean, several bad breakdowns by Kobe, several bad breakdowns by DeMar, several bad breakdowns by Zach. And it is what it is. I mean, the Bulls are a team built around having two defensive stalwarts with Alex Caruso and Lonzo Ball sort of covering up for everyone else's shortcomings as players. When the Bulls don't have those two guys, the defense is going to suck. And if you look at the numbers, I believe the Bulls have been the worst or second worst defense basically since Caruso went down. It's bottom uh, five. Bottom sure. five, sure. Yeah. So it just speaks to how impactful he is on the floor. And more than anything, we were talking, Jason, yesterday when we were watching the game, the Bulls just look soft. I mean, they just do not look like a team that is going to impose their own physicality. So in that sense, maybe Tristan needed to do that. It was sort of a cringeworthy moment, I thought, especially <laughs> because you know Tristan hasn't been on the team very long. Yes, he has been through the wars. He's played in four finals. He's won a championship. Uh, it was tough to see though, because Tristan was liable too for some defensive miscues. It's not like he is, uh, an absolute lockdown defender, but the defense did respond in the fourth quarter. They shut down the Pistons and then offensively as Steph no did a great video on this, uh, earlier this morning, it was basically DeRozan picking on Cade Cunningham time and time again in the fourth quarter. I've been watching Cade Cunningham play since high school, 6'6", 6'7", long arms, strong, physical, good defensive player. There's no doubt about it. But DeMar is just the master, man. And DeMar knows that when he can spot a guy who will sort of let him get to his spots, it's game over. And, you know, for all of Cade's defensive talent, he let DeMar get to the spots on the floor that DeMar likes to get to. And there's a big difference for DeMar between taking a 16-foot jump shot and like a 19-foot jump shot. And when he's able to get, you know, a little bit closer, it's it's curtains for the defense. So uh, basically, this game was very similar to what we saw during the Bulls' six-game winning streak that preceded the five-game losing streak, which was essentially the Bulls did not play great basketball, but they were able to come out with a win because DeRozan saved them in the fourth. And uh, it's just, it's remarkable how closely this game followed to the script of the five game winning streak. Yeah. And it was nice to see DeMar get hot again, because he had been slumping a little bit. His shooting percentages were down a bit and they weren't 
great yesterday, but still, I mean, 12 of 25 shooting, I think is what he finished with. Still pretty good. Getting to the line 13, 14 times, whatever it was, was great. They shot, I think, 13 free throws in the fourth quarter, something like that. So, yeah, I mean, the way it is now, the Bulls rely on DeMar a ton. That's why he's in the MVP conversation. Obviously, this little rough stretch here, that's knocked the Bulls back down. It's probably ended all hope of that, especially with Jokic and Embiid just absolutely going off. But it still is awesome to see DeMar go, in, go into the DeMar zone, killing these teams. So uh, they needed they needed this win badly. Uh, I, w- I was ready to just absolutely just be depressed and just miserable if they would have lost that game last night. So buckle down, show some desperation when they needed it. You get the win. You get a couple nights off now, which is nice before a tough matchup against Cleveland, who is right behind them in the standings. Hopefully they can bounce back or not bounce back. And hopefully they can carry a little of this momentum here to this next game at home and beat a tough team. Uh, before we move on, do you have any thoughts about the Sixers game? Because I like have like, obviously, we, I think we all knew the Bulls were going to get their ass whooped. Uh, they did not have Nikola Vucevic in that game, who did come back, played pretty well against the Pistons. I think he had 21, did a lot of damage early. But I, I guess the only thing I'll say about that Sixers game is that like it followed the script of basically every other Bull Sixers game. Joel Embiid goes for 40 plus. Uh, their role guys go off uh, and the bulls kind of hang around with like a five to like 15 point margin the entire time, but never actually threaten and lose basically all the other games were like that. That kind of definitely wasn't is what it is night. And I mean, just what the bulls are trying like Derek Jones jr. On Joel Embiid. And it was just painful to watch. And uh, without Vooch, they definitely had no chance uh, with them. They probably would have had no chance either. Uh, the Sixers just look really, really fucking good right now. And obviously later tonight after this pod will be up later and that game will have my now, but we got Sixers nuts tonight, which will be really interesting to watch with Ben Simmons going back to Philly. But uh, I guess just your, just your thought on the Sixers. Yeah. I guess even more than the Bulls, because we knew the Bulls had no chance in that game. You know, the thing that's so difficult in a matchup with the Sixers is that, you know, they're going to shoot way more free throws than you. And the Bulls have run into this problem against a team like the Bucks, too, with another dominant big man star. And Giannis was going to the basket constantly. DeRozan went 11 to 12 from the line, I believe, against the Sixers. Dude, without DeRozan being able to get to the line 12 times, the Bulls would have gotten completely smoked in this game because Philly is able to manufacture so many free points by getting to the line. And uh, it's extremely grating to watch. I think it's going to be something that is a major storyline in the postseason if Philly makes a deep run. And right now it sure looks like they're going to five games. I think five games into Harden's Philly career. They look like the best team in the East. I mean, I'm not going to hesitate to say that. I saw somebody, I believe it was Jason Buford on Twitter said that, uh, this Sixers team reminds him a bit of the 08 Lakers when they traded for Powell midseason. It totally turned him around. That 08 Lakers team was not considered a championship contender before they made the Powell trade. You get a superstar in there. They go and win the championship, I believe. So uh, Philly just getting to the line so much is really a game changer for them. And I thought Harden actually looked really quick, too, off the dribble. He had a couple drives, one in the fourth quarter, where he dusted Levine with just a classic Harden, like, lulls you to sleep by dribbling between his legs 95 times. But then he exploded left to the basket, and he uh, you know, was able to get the layup. So even though Harden shot 5 of 15 from that game, there was the clip of him running stairs in the stadium <laughs> when it was over. Great propaganda. I think Harden looks really, really good. Uh, now, you know, we'll see if it lasts. We'll see how Philly and how Harden responds when adversity hits for the first time, because right now they're still very much in the honeymoon period. But to me, that game only sort of furthered the concerns I have about a potential matchup with the Sixers in the postseason. And that's putting it lightly. I think the Sixers <laughs> would probably whoop the Bulls ass in a postseason series. But you know, the Bulls team we've seen for the last month is not the real Bulls without Lonzo, without Caruso. So uh, you don't want to put too much into it. You don't want to overreact too much. But, man, Philly looks good, and they have always been a matchup problem with the Bulls for as long as they've had Embiid. Yep. Joel Embiid literally never lost to the Bulls. So bringing up the Caruso and Lonzo thing, that's, I think, a good segue into, uh, I guess, just the quick update that Caruso has been cleared for contact. Patrick Williams has been cleared for limited contact uh, and Lonzo still, I think a bit away. Uh, he's, he's got the knee thing, but Crusoe sounds like he's going to be back pretty soon. Maybe even next week. 
So we all, we I took we took some questions on Twitter here, and that was one of the first first questions we got. So we're gonna do a little Twitter mailbag here for the rest of this pod. And this question was from Colin Marusic at Colin Maru. And he says, if we really do get Crusoe back in the next week or so in Lonzo by the end of the month, can we still get to 50 wins? Love the podcast. Go Bulls. First of all, I'll say here, I think 50 wins is probably just a no-go at this point just because of the schedule. It was their 46 and 26 right now, 16 games left. They'd have to go with that. have to go 10 and six. I just don't see it happening. There's just so many tough games left still on the schedule. Like they go out West, I think next week to go like Utah Phoenix as a back-to-back. We got a couple Cavs games left. I think they play Boston again. Uh, I think they play Milwaukee again. Like I just can't see them going 10 and six. I'd be happy if they go like I said, 16 games. I'd be happy if they get to 47, 48, if they get to 47 or 48, that should maybe get them in that four or five matchup. But yeah, I think 51 is pretty much out. I think also Caruso is going to need some time, even when he does return, to probably get his legs back under him. Uh, Lonzo, I am worried about his effectiveness just coming off of meniscus tear, just the way he'll be able to move laterally. Uh, he, I mean, he definitely will help, I think, just because his passing, the three-point shooting, stuff like that. And then we'll, Pat, we'll see as well. But I don't have high expectations for Pat. I've said this already. So ultimately, I think 50 is probably out, uh, not in the cards anymore. But 47, 48? I think they could possibly do that. The schedule is just so tough. Ricky, you have thoughts on that? So we said 16 games left and they need yeah, to win. They're 40 and 26. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to, I'm looking at the schedule right now. I'm going to give you 10 games. They can win. They're playing Cleveland on Saturday at home. Got to win that one. They can Here. win that game. Yeah. The next game is at Sacramento. Got to win that one. Then you got at Utah at Phoenix. We'll say two losses. Then your versus Toronto. I think that's a win. That's three wins. Okay. Then you're playing at the Bucks, March 27th. I'm saying they win one of these two Bucks oh, games. We'll probably right. say that one's a loss. We'll probably say the one on the road's a loss. Sure. So that's two and three. All right. Then you're at New Orleans. That's three wins. At Cleveland, I'm going to give it to them four wins. You're at feeling Knicks, good about this. <laughs> at Knicks, five wins. At Washington, six wins. Home against the Clippers, not impossible. Seven wins. Home against Miami, no. Home against Milwaukee. You said I think you wanted to give them one of them. I want to give them one of them. Eight wins. Home against Boston, that's a loss. Home against Charlotte, win. Last game of the year, on the road, against the Wolves, win. 50 games. Look at which you. Was, let's not forget Jason Pat's preseason prediction. Everyone said the Bulls were going to be a 500 team. Jason Pat said, nah, 50 wins. And... <laughs> I think I just laid the foundation for how it can be done, Jason. I showed the roadmap for the Bulls' path to 50 wins. They're going to need to win every game they're capable of winning in this final stretch, and they're going to have to steal a couple. We don't think they can. It's going to be very difficult. I do think it's maybe possible. Can they beat the Bucs once out of the next two times? Sure. I'd like to think they can. They've been competitive in both games. Especially that April 5 game at home. uh, That's a game I think they can win. So. I'm not totally writing them off out of 50 wins yet, but it's going to be difficult. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see. Next question here. We had a couple questions about the three-point shooting. Because the Bulls, I think, were like three of 15 from three. Uh, so we got, I'm not sure how to say the same here, but this is at Mu Yabi, Mu Yabi, Mu Yabi, something like that. Mu Abby. This is my Mew friend Abby. Okay. Mu Yabi. All right. Yeah. Uh, what remedies are the going to be for the Bulls low three point per game? Lonzo, Kobe, and Zach are the only authorized shooters. Is there any world Booch can come back, can become that pick and pop guy again this season? And then we also had, uh, where are we here? Frodo, the lawyer at Frodo TL. Bulls are still taking, making way too few threes to keep up with the best teams right now. Do you think Pat and to a lesser extent, Pat or Lonzo, do you think Lonzo and to a lesser extent, Pat and Cruz fixes that problem or is there some other solution? Lonzo yeah, was obviously like a huge part of this. I'll just, I'll say like we talk about how much important is the defense. He takes like eight threes a game, and that's like seven eight threes a game, and hits them at forty percent. That's absolutely huge. Again, I am somewhat worried about Lonzo's effectiveness when he comes back, but I think he'll still be getting up threes. I mean, if anything, I mean, we with his knee, like if anything, maybe he becomes even more of a spot up shooter. So I think he's going to be getting up tons of threes, and that's definitely going to be huge. Um, in terms of Pat, I mean, we know he. First of all, who knows how much he actually plays, but I mean, he's a decent three-point shooter. He's just not the most willing. He needs to be ready to fire away when he does play. If he's getting open threes, do not turn them down. Same with Crusoe. Crusoe hasn't been that great of a three-point shooter, but he will get them up if he's open. 
I, I don't think there's really any other solution other than Lonzo needs to chuck. I guess I'd like to see Kobe chuck more when he is out there. Uh, sometimes I feel like he doesn't get it, get them up enough. I know he's tried to add some other things to his game, but the Bulls still are like a top five, I think, three-point shooting percentage team. They just don't get up enough. I would like to see Io shoot more as well, uh, but he's, he's hesitant too. So it's just kind of on these guys to get threes up, and then Lonzo will be a huge help with his eight, seven, eight per game. Yeah, we were talking about this even when the Bulls were rolling. I thought the yeah. fact that they were, you know, a bottom two, three-point rate team was pretty troubling. Uh, I think you hit the nail on the head with Lonzo coming back. That is Lonzo's calling card offensively, at least in terms of his scoring profile, right? Like, if Lonzo's going to have a good scoring game, it's because he's hitting a bunch of threes. And we've seen him have multiple games where he hits six, seven threes in a game. That's definitely going to need to happen once or twice in a playoff series for the Bulls to win a series. Uh, I would love to see Io find a stroke because it was really good, uh, you know, earlier in the year. Now in February, when he was playing these ridiculous minutes, he played almost 37 minutes a game in February and he shot 37.2% from three. So uh, you got to credit Io for like his three point percentage hanging around, but he's on a brutal stretch so far in March playing 35 minutes a game, shooting 16% from three. His three-point percentage on the year is now a tick below 40. Obviously, Io has been phenomenal as an outside shooter in terms of where the expectations were coming into the year, but he's not going to be a high-volume guy, yeah. right? Like, Io's game is very much defense-oriented. Uh, now he's been flashing the playmaking chops. He's been awesome, but to expect volume three-point shooting from him is a little much. That's what Kobe can provide. And uh, Kobe, you know, the question with Kobe is, can he defend at a high enough level to actually stay on the floor? I was looking at EPM, which is an all-in-one metric, dunksandthrees.com, EPM. Uh, It's cited on a lot of basketball podcasts. It's a a widely known all-in-one metric. And it gives you like an offensive percentile, a defensive percentile, and an overall percentile. Kobe, I believe, is in the 85th percentile of all players in the league in offense. Defensively, he's in the second percentile. Oh, no. Now, I'm not saying that I don't think that Kobe is in the bottom two percentile in the league, but I mean, he might be in the bottom 25 percentile. Uh, yeah. he, he, his defense has slipped recently, but he's been shooting well, and they're going to need him to continue shooting well. You look at what Kobe did in February seven attempts per game from three, 49% from three point range. I think Kobe's a good fit with DeMar on the floor. He just needs to be locked in defensively. Like he was having quite a few mental lapses against the Pistons. If that happens, you wonder like how much tick he's even going to get in the playoffs, but they do sort of need his shooting and they need his offense. So uh, that'll be one of the big rotation questions. I think coming into the playoffs, what they do with him, what they do with Isle, how that shakes out. But if you're looking to get the three point rate up, I mean, Kobe is a volume three point shooter. So uh, you know, he's just got to be able to defend a little bit better, stay locked in on that end uh, to make sure he can earn his minutes. And then, you know, even Caruso will give you a few attempts a game and you hope he can knock those down. Pat, maybe, you know, similar to Caruso, he's not going to take a ton. You hope he can knock him down. He is kind of a slow release, but he's been a pretty good shooter uh, since he's entered the league. So, yeah, the Bulls are not going to take a lot of three pointers, guys. What the Bulls are going to do is isolate DeMar, uh, try to get him on a switch. He's going to be taking mid-range shots, and then you're going to have Zach, uh, you know, as the secondary option, trying to get to the basket, taking a lot of threes, too. I would like to see them get Zach more looks off movement. I've been clamoring for it all year. Levine's skill set fits perfectly into the idea of, like, a movement shooter. Haven't seen a ton of that from Billy Donovan this year. It seems like Billy's offense is much more, like, player-friendly when you – Meaning like when you, if you get a shot, just take it. Uh, I would like to see them maybe dial up some created actions a little bit more to get Levine coming off screens, get him open looks for three, because yeah, it's a very valid concern. The Bulls do not shoot a lot of three pointers and it's tough to come back from a deficit in the postseason when it's like that. Yeah. And I guess we didn't even bring up Vooch. Like Vooch's three point shot has just like totally abandoned him and he has didn't take many wow. last night. I don't think. Uh, so I'm not really sure what's even going on there. It probably, I mean, certain matches like last night, it was much better to have him down low. The Pistons were missing Isaiah Stewart. They were undersized. Getting him down low was good. 
but part of Vooch's like allure is the fact that he's a credible seven foot three point shooter. And if that's totally gone, that does kind of hurt the offense a little bit if teams just aren't guarding him and if he is not making them. So it would be nice to see him get back up into like the low 30s percentage wise on a few per game. But uh, the last month or so, it's just been really bad. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So you mentioned the rotation stuff. Uh, we had a few questions about the rotation. Uh, I'll just go name out a few of these guys here. We had at Arvlad22. We had at Monsieur Ricardo. And we had one other one about the rotation. Uh, oh, and oh, wait, no, that's the different one. This is uh, at KBAR17. So I'll just kind of throw out a few of these questions here. We had basically playoff rotation with everyone healthy, having trouble getting a playoff rotation under nine guys. And we've talked about some of this before. We also had a, a question about uh, – Start when Pat comes back. Do you start Patrick Williams over Javante, or maybe do you start Caruso and just go start with like your start and close with your best lineup? Um, that was from Monsieur Ricardo was asking about the Williams Green and then the starting and closing five. And then the last one was, would you see the Bulls running three guard lineups that have like IO Ball and Caruso? Uh, so Ricky, let's start with the I guess the playoff rotation. Who? How do you see that shaking out? All right. So first and foremost, we haven't seen it all year. I doubt we'll see it in the playoffs. I would love Caruso starting. The whole idea of Caruso is that he's a lockdown perimeter defender. You want him guarding the other team's best players and those players start games. So I've wanted to see Caruso in the starting lineup all year. I think it makes a lot of sense to have him sort of set the tone right away. I get the idea that like, you know, when you're going to either take one of Zach or DeMar off the floor, that's nice to bring Caruso into the mix to sort of keep the level of overall play high. Uh, But the, the idea of Caruso is that he's going to defend the other team's best players. So to me, they should start him. Now I don't really think we're going to see that in terms of Patrick Williams. I think Pat should not be handed a starting spot right away when he comes back. I mean, this team has been very, very good without him, especially when they're healthy. If they're going to be healthy for the postseason, he should have to prove that he deserves minutes over Javante, over Derek Jones. I think that Javante has been pretty awesome uh, the whole year. He's been found money for the Bulls. He just, just provides it. So I would, I would like to see them roll with Javante and to make Pat earn his starting spot back. It made sense to pencil Pat in as the starter, I think, uh, coming into the year just because yeah. like you wanted to develop him. But at this point in the season, I don't think you can just say, all right, Pat, you're the starting four again, buddy. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> I would ease him. I would ease him into it a little bit more. Yeah, like I've said that I still have little expectations for him. I feel like the idea of starting Crusoe also makes sense. I, I, Green, Javante has been... Like you said, found money, really nice. I don't know if you can start him in a playoff series. I feel like in the playoffs, it's just all about, I mean, guy, you don't want to have guys who are liabilities and like teams just aren't going to guard him at all. And like he, there, he have times where he hits threes this season, but a lot of times he also just doesn't look at the rim. So like, I guess, I don't know. Like it would almost, wouldn't surprise me if, if he actually does start crew. So like, I wonder if Javante even plays is even in the rotation because I guess if your top five is whatever the closing lineup, Lonzo Caruso, Levine, DeRozan, Fooch, and then you have IO probably Tristan Jones, Kobe is, I mean, right. I mean, is that your nine man playoff? Because that was one of the other questions is like your rotation, like Troy Brown's not playing. Uh, ideally not playing in the playoffs. 
Yeah. Um, and so is, is Javante is- playing? Is Javante just maybe like your we if we need a spark energy, like he's playing? I mean, it would obviously suck to like have him start all year and then. Sorry, Javante, you're not playing in the playoffs. I, I worry about the liability aspect of his offense. You know, I want Javante on the team in the playoffs, on the floor in the playoffs. I think he helps make the Bulls who they are. Uh, I think he, he is hitting 35% of his yeah. threes this year. It is only on like 1.6 attempts per game, so it's low volume. But I really feel like his presence, uh, his athleticism, his length, his motor, and his just general effort and energy – really sort of makes the Bulls what they are. So I would love to see Javante in the playoff rotation. To me, you're, it might be Jones who gets Yeah, I mean, maybe, it depends on Pat, Pope. too, how he looks. I mean, there's like six, seven guys there. Again, top five, and then you have Kobe, uh, Javante, Pat, Tristan, Derek Jones Jr., Io. I mean, that's six more guys. I mean, they're not going 11 deep in the playoffs. So, to me, I don't want to see Derek Jones as a four in the playoffs. I would like to see him as a five. When they have lineups with Tristan and Derek Jones, without looking at the numbers, those lineups, to me, just don't make sense. I think Jones yeah. is a five. Uh, it's weird to think of him as a five because he's mostly been a wing in his career. Billy found success with him at the five when Vooch had COVID. It was that game they went to Golden State when they ended up getting run off the floor. But uh, Derek Jones gave him good minutes in that game and in that stretch of games without Vooch at the five. I think he's a straight five in the playoffs. And I think it's going to be matchup dependent on who you're playing as the backup five in the postseason. Between Tristan, between Derek Jones, maybe some Tony Bradley, probably not anymore. Maybe some Pat. (laughs) We haven't seen him in a while. Yeah, Pat at the backup five, I think. You know, Billy was doing that in the preseason when he had the full roster besides for Kobe healthy. So, uh, yeah, I think that, you know, if you're not one of the six best guys on the team, though, like I think Io is probably the last guy on the roster who can feel confident he's definitely getting regular rotation minutes in the postseason. But you know, even that it could depend on like where his offense is looking, uh, how well he's shooting the ball. But it's gonna be it's gonna be tough for minutes because especially if they're playing the Celtics and that's what it looks like right now in a four or five, that series is going to be an all out battle. Yeah. There's the margin for error for the bulls to win that series is going to be so small that like, yeah, I mean, you, you might have to shorten the rotation pretty, pretty short uh, to give yourself the best chance to win that series. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, speaking of just the four or five playoffs, we had a couple questions about that. We have from, uh, let's see. Actually, we have one more about Tristan here. I, I guess this kind of goes in the rotation from Bernardo Falcetto, B. Falcetto. He says, why do the Bulls think that a buyout acquired guy can start close the game week one after joining the team? I guess this kind of, as we complained about Tristan, I guess, getting close, those closing Vooch minutes. Uh, I, I am interested to see how much Tristan plays in the playoffs. I think, like you said, it'll be matchup dependent. He has looked a little more cooked the last couple of games, uh, following a lot, really struggled against Embiid. He did not do much against the Pistons. Uh, I am curious there. It will be, it might be, it probably will be a matchup dependent thing. He certainly should not be just force fed minutes for sure. No, I don't think anyone should be yeah. outside of the top six guys on the team. Yeah. Good point. All right, moving on. Uh, so this is Jefferson at furious. Jeff says if the bulls end up fourth, fifth and get bounced in the first is the season still a success. And then we have that guy Murph TV. Could the bulls falling to four or five actually be better for their postseason run? I think the first question, if they get bounced in the four or five, it probably just depends on who they play at this point. All these teams just seem like, uh, I mean, obviously I guess it, it would be disappointing to lose in the first round after like being the top seed for so long. But I mean, if you play a four or five Celtics seed and you lose, like that's like, I guess it depends on how, how you would lose. Like if the you Bulls got raspy, if they got smoked, like then that's obviously disappointing. If you play like a six or seven hard fought series against the Celtics or something and lose in the first round, I don't I mean, it's obviously disappointing to lose, but like, I think you could go out with your head held high. If you compete the Celtics look like the best team in the East. I mean, I, we've just said that we think the Sixers are probably the favorite in the East. The Celtics have actually played for a long portion of time now as the best team in the East. In 2022, they've actually they've just been killing everybody. So like losing to them, who they have a star top ten ish guy in Tatum, another two way guy in Brown. They bolstered their team, a bunch of really solid two way players. 
losing to them would not be, it would obviously suck with Celtics, but it's like not something to be embarrassed about unless you actually get embarrassed and just like don't compete at all. Yeah. So like, to, and then to the other question, a lot of that is could falling to four or five be better again. It's like matchup, totally matchup dependent again, because I mean, if they played four or five against like the Cavs, that'd be better, but I don't see how that, that matchup probably just doesn't happen at this point. I think the Celtics are just on a roll. They're going to get up to the probably four or five, the Bucks, Sixers, Heat aren't going anywhere. So, like at this point, my guess is the Bulls finish fifth or sixth, uh, and then we see where they go from there. But Ricky, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I wouldn't feel great about a matchup with the Celtics, and I have been saying that the Bulls are a contender to make the finals out of the East pretty much the whole season. I still believe it to be true, and I wouldn't say that they're drawn dead in a series against the Celtics. I think they would have a chance. Yeah depending on how Lonzo looks coming back from the injury, if Caruso can regain his form quickly. And, you know, if you're going to get something in Pat, like the Bulls still have a chance. Absolutely. You cannot write them off in that series if it does play out that way, but they certainly wouldn't be the favorites. I think the national media would be saying Celtics in five or six, probably. I would be a little scared to write another Bulls in six Redux <laughs> just because this Celtics team, dude, the thing that stands out about them they don't have anyone you can pick up. They yeah. don't have anyone where you're like, okay, we're going to hunt the switch, get this guy on DeMar. Like everyone in that rotation is a tough fucking defender. That's the problem. with the Bulls. <laughs> Is DeMar going to be able to get to his spots on a switch against Boston consistently in the playoffs? I don't know. And then as I've been saying for the last couple episodes, like how much is Zach going to be able to put on his shoulders? Like, what Zach, what Zach really needs is like a Jamal Murray, Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker type of playoff breakout where yeah. he's averaging 30 for a series and he's just like stamping his greatness and putting himself in position to start the All-Star game next year, putting himself in position to be All-NBA next year, which I don't think he's going to get this year. But he's I don't think close. so either. Yeah. He's going to be close though. But it's like, can Zach take it up one more notch? He's playing through the knee injury, though, so that's going to be tough. Right. And Boston matchup, to me, just blows. Like, I really <laughs> don't want that because if they lost to the Celtics, I would feel like shit. But I know <laughs> that Boston's a legitimate team, a legitimate title contender. Jason, right now, you have to say right now, who's your pick to come out of the East? It sounds like you want to say Boston. No, I, I still think it's the Sixers, but. Uh, okay. I mean, I would not surprise me, me at this point if it's Boston. Yeah, uh, I mean, they're like, all, it wouldn't surprise me if there's like any of these like t- top teams. Like at this point, it would surprise me if it's the Bulls. I do think they could match up against any of these teams. Uh, I just don't think. I mean, at this point, I guess actually, I don't think they can match up against the Sixers. The Sixers will beat them in a series. The Bucks, they can I think be close with. The Heat they have looked ugly, but I feel like a healthy Bulls team can at least have a chance against them because I just don't believe in the Heat's half court offense in a playoff series as much. Uh, the Sixers seem like a team they just have no chance against, and the Celtics would be really tough. We'll see what happens with the Nets if they have all their guys and what happens with like the play-in tournament with them, but uh, it's going to be tough either way. We have a few questions left here. Let's let's move on. Um, we had a few. Actually, this was a really interesting one from Mr. Foley, <laughs> White Men Can't Funk. As an exercise in measuring value, rank the following hypothetical shorthanded Bulls teams. A, Bulls minus Zach. B, Bulls minus DeMar. C, Bulls minus Vooch. D, Bulls minus Lonzo and Caruso. This was really interesting to me, and I had didn't, I, I was kind of thinking about it, but didn't think about it uh, quite that much. So, so like, I'm just going to say, I'm going to say Bulls minus DeMar. Is, is what? Is the worst of those teams. Probably, because I think they're off, I mean, yeah. He just means so much to their offense. I mean, Bulls minus DeMar is basically, yeah, it's basically last year's team, but with Lonzo and Caruso, which they would be pretty good defensively. Bulls minus Vooch is tough because, like, Vooch just doesn't have a good backup. So, like, if you're starting Tristan, like, for over a full, like, whatever, in key games, like, that's just, like, not good. We see what Bulls minus Lonzo and Caruso are on their average, uh, totally average. I, I like hate to say like Bulls mind. If you took Zach off a perfectly healthy Bulls team, I feel like that might be the smallest dip. And it's not so because he, of like Zach, how good Zach is. It's just because like DeMar and Vooch can still play offense, but you're still playing good defense. So like, 
I feel like they'd still be pretty damn good. Like in a vacuum, Zach is obviously better than these other guys, ex- except for Demar. But like the dip might be the smallest. That's what I, I was like. I was struggling with that one. Yeah, it's a good it's a good question. I think that you broke it down correctly. Uh, I could see the argument for Zach for them like being able to survive the best without Zach, but. Basically, obviously they need all these guys to actually win what they what they want. (laughs) The Bulls are a true ensemble, you know, like DeMar and Zach have gotten the credit all year, rightfully so, because they've carried the offense. But, you know, we've seen when Vooch was out, when Crusoe and Lonzo have been out, like they need their full complement of guys. And they haven't had it the entire season because Pat got hurt the fifth game of the season. Kobe was still out then. Uh, They just they just haven't been healthy the whole year. So it's unfortunate. All right, we got a couple few questions about the offseason future. It's from at Greek Bulls fan. I think someone answered this in the uh in the actually, I don't know. Either way, is he, he asks, is Caleb Houston? Is that Michigan? Who's yeah. Caleb? I don't know who Caleb Houston is. I, I, I meant to oh look boy. this up and I forgot. Oh is he boy. a realistic target for the Bulls? Caleb Houston has been so I've been wanting to tweet this, but okay. it just seems mean and I don't want to. He's been one of the most disappointing one and done freshmen I can ever remember. The Caleb Houston low light reel this year for <laughs> Michigan is like absolutely completely pathetic. And I have a close friend who's a Michigan basketball fan and he hates Caleb Houston. He's like, this guy was supposed <laughs> to be top five pick. I personally had Caleb Houston as the number five pick in my preseason mock, which I do the day after the, All right. the draft. <laughs> Shows how much I pay attention to college basketball. He has been an incredible disappointment. I mean, he's sub 40% from the field. I thought he would be an elite defender and he's okay, but he's not like impactful, not super impactful. Uh, And then in terms of his three point shot, it's like he'll have games where he hits a few and that's boosted his percentage. He's at 36% right now, but uh, he has been just a major disappointment. I do think he is the type of pedigree where if you're like not watching the game super closely, you're like, yeah, we'll take this guy. Like he was a projected top five or top ten pick coming. Do you into think the he'll year. still come out? I think probably. Yeah, but I also think he's a big reason why Michigan was fucking terrible this year. Like <laughs> they just blew a seventeen point lead to Indiana. And this and is like, who also sucks. Indiana team <laughs> yeah. in the tournament today and lost it. Michigan probably. I mean, they have deeper problems for sure. They don't really have guards to like set everyone up. Uh, they miss Mike Jones, their point guard from last year. But Houston's been not good. However, I can definitely see the argument for taking someone like him. I've just seen too many clips of Houston looking like a child playing out there, like <laughs> playing against like up competition, like a junior varsity kid yeah. being called up to the varsity and just looking horrible. So uh, I think he is a realistic target late in the first round. I think that targeting a 3 and D wing is pretty smart. But man, I've just seen so many <laughs> bad plays from Caleb Houston that I can't get myself there. Just my two cents. Fair enough. His second part of the question is, would you trade the Bulls pick Kobe White and Nikola Vucevic for DeAndre Ayton on a max contract if he does not go back to Phoenix? I still assume he's going back to Phoenix. Uh, they'll work that out. The Suns look like the clear title favorite if they win the title. I'd be shocked if they don't pay up to keep Aiden. Uh, But I mean, I feel like obviously, yes. You do that? Yeah, obviously, yes. Yeah, I mean, Aiden's really, really good. He's young. That keep, that takes you into the future. Uh, I mean, Vooch is 31, 32. He's going to be an expiring contract. I don't know if Vooch is going to be here past next season. Uh, I mean, that seems like an obvious yes to me. Obvious yes. I mean, yeah. Kobe and I are up the same year, too. So, yeah. I mean, Kobe's going to be – Kobe feels like prime, prime trade candidate this offseason unless – he has like a miracle playoff run. I think there's too much, too many times where he just doesn't look like he belongs. He obviously has had some really nice games this season. There are just times though, when he gets, I mean, the the Pistons game yesterday, he looked totally lost, picked on. And I feel like this just happens too often for him at this point. When you have IO coming on, like he has, it just seems like Kobe's not going to be back. If it's not next season, maybe at the deadline. I don't know. I really like Kobe's offense when the team is, you know, like, that up yeah. at full strength. I think that like he gives them an offensive skill set that they need, but uh, his defense has slipped recently. So yeah. he's got just got to get his head in the game because uh, it did not seem like it was in the game yesterday. Like he was getting picked in the backcourt. They were like having Saban <laughs> Lee run ISOs against him. It's like <laughs> this, this shouldn't be happening. Uh, 
But in terms of that trade, that trade's a no-brainer. Like the real question is, are you putting Pat in that trade? I would still do that trade with Pat. I think Aiton's a monster. Yeah. And if you're getting Aiton on a second contract max, it's not actually that much money. I don't know exactly what it is off the top of my head, but it's like 28 million. It's about what DeMar makes. So it's not the same as like, you know, a Westbrook max where he's making yeah. 45 million. That's the important thing to remember. Uh God, Starver. If Starver lets Aiton go. <laughs> I mean, how, how yeah, it'd be ridiculous. terrible would that be? So. Yeah, I mean, that would just help your defense. Your offense wouldn't really dip at all either. Aiden's a good offensive player. I know he's he's not quite the passer Vooch is, and he's not the shooter, but, I mean, Vooch hasn't been shooting well either. But, uh, yeah, no-brainer right there. One more about the offseason. It's from Jordan Tripp at Balls with a Z. It says, assuming Zach is back on a max, which – Zach is going to be back on a max at this point. What do you see as the Bulls' biggest weaknesses to address this summer? Any moves you think can take them from good playoff team to upper tier title contender? Uh, I think we know shooting. They could use shooting start. for sure. Give me uh, a four. They need yeah. a four. You need, need yeah. It's either what Patrick Williams either has to take a big step yep. next season, or you trade yep. Patrick Williams for a legitimate upgrade there. Uh, and that's and that's the easiest thing because I mean, if Lonzo Caruso, Zach Demar are all going to be there. Vooch probably going to be there i guess you could say maybe you'd try to upgrade from him but i mean as much as we complain about vooch who are you upgrading him to that's like that would legitimately make the bulls better at this point you're talking about the best centers in the game that probably aren't going anywhere absolutely Uh, i mean maybe there's like a different fit or different so you like change your style i know people have talked about oh the bulls should go like get miles turner but like what do you make the bulls that much better i don't know about that he's not he's not a good offense he's not that great of an offense player obviously a good defensive player but it probably is just like they need the, the f- power forward needs to be either a better player there or need Patrick Williams needs to take a big leap. If you're going to, uh, because we know tomorrow will probably be maybe a slight setback next year, maybe the same Zach. I think he's kind of probably, it seems like Zach has kind of hit his ceiling at this point. I don't know if he's got another step to take Lonzo and Crusoe. We know what they bring. So yeah. And then, I mean, you could always use a bit, a better backup front court guys and something like that. I mentioned more shooting. Maybe you hope IO takes a step as well, but, uh, yeah, power forward for sure. All right, I'm going to give a prediction right now that, yep. of course, we'll get lost in the sands of time. <laughs> I don't know if the Bulls make their big move in the offseason. I think they might make it at the trade deadline next year. I think you kind of want to see what the team looks like, see where Pat's at, uh, you know, see how the rotation shakes out in terms of, like, can Io maintain this level of play? Uh, is Kobe going to, like, take a step up? Maybe he boosts his trade value. Maybe you want to keep him. It'll just be interesting yeah. to see what they're going to do with a full roster because they haven't had the full roster the whole year. Yep. So before we talk about, like, who needs to get traded, I just think, like, the four is the position to me. But then you got to remember that Vooch only has next year under contract. Yep. So it's like, what does Vooch's next deal look like? Is there a chance Vooch returns on a team-friendly deal? Can we just like go all in on Jokic? What, you know, what basically, what does that look like? So, uh, I mean, I know, I think, was it, I think Jokic's agent claimed that he's going to sign a supermax with the Nuggets this offseason, which obviously doesn't mean he could go. I mean, he could sign that supermax and then look to get traded soon, but obviously, that means you'd have to trade a boatload of shit to get him that the Bulls do not have. Uh, so like Jokic signing a supermax this offseason would totally nuke any plans of that. Uh, but yeah, I, I do kind of agree. Like I do, the Pat thing is just so interesting, just because I, I think, I mean, I talked about at the beginning of the season how like him taking a big step this season would play a huge role in how their ceiling could be. They've still been really good without that happening, without him miss or with him missing all season. And it, I do understand the intrigue of seeing what he can be, uh, but there is obviously some urgency as well with Zach or with Demar and Vooch. Not not totally sure where they go next, so it will definitely be interesting to see. Obviously, that's down the road. We'll see how the Bulls finish this season. Um, and, you know, just to say it, that's like another reason why the injuries this year are such a gigantic bummer. Yeah. Is because it sort of like hinders your ability to evaluate this team going into year two. So. Yeah. Oh, well, it is a bummer, but hopefully those guys come back and we at least can have a decent close of the season. Last question. This isn't actually about the team. This is from Renee Trossman at RT Blues. He says, would you care to comment on the recent reshuffling of the deck chairs in the Bulls podcast universe? Keeping it 100, of course. We did bring this up briefly in our last pod. Shout out to the guys who got uh, the gigs. Our guy, Will Gottlieb, at the new SHGO, the Chuggo site. Uh, and obviously our guy, Mark, as well. They're doing that. And then 
uh, the, the old lockdown guys, uh, Matt Peck and big Dave. Uh, I mean, awesome opportunity for them. Really cool. Uh, what they're going to be, what they're going to be doing over there. I mean, that entire site, they got, they made some big moves over there. I know they brought in, I think Adam Hogue to do bear stuff, bunch of a bunch of great guys there. Uh, they'll be really cool to see them and hopefully they can succeed and grow. I am not that familiar with the new lockdown guys. So I really can't comment about that much about that. Do you have any insight in, into them? No. Good luck to them. Super yeah. glad to have more people uh, giving their bulls opinions, uh, and for them to get a chance to fill in for Matt and Dave, that is awesome for them. I'm sure they immediately come into a pretty big audience. So congrats to those that's, guys. That's the CEO. That's Hayes. CEO Hayes, and then. Uh... The other guy is where the heck, where was I? I think it looks like Pat. Like I said, I, yeah, I have to, I haven't really just been on top of that much yet. And then Pat, at Pat, the designer. Uh, yeah. Good luck to those guys. Uh, like I said, I'd not all that familiar with their work. So hopefully that they keep bringing on the good stuff that uh, Matt and Dave were doing. So uh, we'll see. Uh, and then obviously again, shout out to uh, Will and, uh, sad to see Will and Mark leave Blue Wire. They had Bulls HQ roll in there, but uh, onward and upward for them. And hopefully, uh, they'll, they'll we know that they'll not hopefully we know that they're gonna do Bulls good Bulls stuff. It's nice to have another outlet here in Chicago, independent outlet doing providing more good coverage because we know that they're gonna kill it and it'll be a lot of fun. So, That's so yeah, Rick, you got anything else, Ricky? That we should probably wrap up here. We can wrap it up. All right, as always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network. Uh, if you like what we're doing here at Cash, please go check out all the other great podcasts all across the Blue Wire Network. For us here at Cash, please rate and review us. Give us those five-star ratings. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, all those good places. Uh, thank you to all the people who sent us questions on Twitter. As always, I'm at Bulls underscore J. Ricky is at SBN underscore Ricky. Shout out to Fuzzgun for our intro for this season. Uh, next up, we got, again, Bulls Cavs Saturday. And you mentioned the other part of this, uh, what, Kings Monday? Is that right? Where they That's go right. out west? Yeah, so that we got some West Coast games next week, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, we will be back sometime probably next week uh, to talk about Cavs and Kings games probably. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Talk to you next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.